praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. We're going to go directly into the Word of God. We're going to be speaking tonight on the subject, victory over the bondage of sin. Amen. Victory over the bondage of sin. As a guiding passage and text, we're going to read from the book of 2 Corinthians. And we're going to read from the 6th chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 14. And uh, you know what? If you've got it, let's just read it all of it together. How about that? Just everybody read it with me. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Amen. Why don't we just give the Lord the praise for his word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In order to have victory over sin, you first have to understand that sin is a problem and that sin is a transgression of the law of God. When you have sinned, you have violated the law of the Lord. Sometimes uh, we take so for granted the mercy of God that we forget just how, how uh, true God is in terms of his nature and his law. Because we're living in a day, because of the precious blood of Jesus, where mercy has rejoiced against judgment. And yet, at the same time, we have to understand that, that the Lord will not keep his anger forever. He will not always chide with man. And that there is a penalty for sin. And that penalty for sin does not just come at the judgment. But that penalty for sin also takes place in the here and the now. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 want to turn your attention there, simply says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we want to concentrate on the fact that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we should. We should rejoice about it. But we must not ignore the ever-present truth that the wages of sin is death. In other words, 
there is a wage. There is something you're going to receive as payment for the sin you've committed, and it's called death. And uh, that's what we want to talk about to start off tonight. Uh, how sin occurs. How does sin transpire? Where does it come from? Of course, we go back to the sin in the garden, and we see that Eve was tempted by the serpent to eat the fruit that was forbidden her of God, forbidden of Adam. He told Adam not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Eve, in responding to the serpent, said, we cannot eat of it, neither can we touch it, lest we die. The serpent began to contradict the word of God and said, you will not die. And God clearly said they would die if they ate of it. And, and the Bible said this, that Eve saw the fruit, that it was good for food, that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise, and she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. Here we see the three things that the Scripture teaches us are in the world. These three things. The lust of the flesh. That is a... a, a matter of it being good for food lust of the eyes that is a matter of it being pleasant to the eyes and that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise that is a matter of it being uh, the pride of life these are the three things that are in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life sin falls under these categories and and we begin to uh, partake, partake of these things many times without knowing it so we want to be very uh, conscious of that and careful of that. Thank God for the infilling of the Holy Ghost that, that helps us to stay on the straight and the narrow path. But I want to talk to you tonight about how sin develops in an individual's life. If you'll turn with me to the book of James, chapter 1. Because here's the thing about sin. Sin brings bondage with it. Now, it doesn't just show you the bondage to begin with. It comes to you in the form of a temptation. And the temptation is, it, you don't see the devil in the temptation as he is. You see everything you've ever wanted and everything you like. All the stuff that, that appeals to your eyes, to your senses, when we talk about something being sensual, uh, it's, it's a reference to things appealing to the senses. It, that's what we mean when we say that something is sensual. And, and so temptation comes to us, and when temptation comes to us, it comes to us in the form of You don't see the, the captive nature of sin as it, as it enslaves an individual's soul. Temptation, sin comes to you in the form of temptation. So we want to talk a little bit about, about that. But you have to know sin brings bondage with it. Sin doesn't just bring, listen, 
Sin brings all kinds of stuff with it. So let me, let me again go back to the garden because this is what the Bible says in the book of Romans. The Bible said that sin came into the world and that when sin came into the world, death came with it. See, Adam and Eve thought they were just sinning. Everybody does it, right? But when they cracked the door open for sin, a demon called death came through the door. And they weren't wanting death, they were wanting sin. Sin doesn't look like death. Sin is beautiful looking. Death, on the other hand, is as grotesque as anything you've ever seen or you can't even imagine the grotesque nature of death. There's a demon called death. It is the last enemy that shall be destroyed. It was an angel of death. Death is an entity. Death isn't a thing. Death isn't an, an event. Death isn't a, 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 a date of, of decease where someone passes away. No, death is a demon. It is the enemy of God. It is the enemy of the people of God. And, and when, when Adam and Eve participated in the sin, participating in this forbidden thing that God said not to do, but why do I not do it? And why can't I do it? And it's what I want to do. And it doesn't make sense that I can't do it. You can argue all you want. All you're doing is propping the door open for a demon called death to enter your world. And that's exactly what sin does. It props the door open, not just death, but all manner of unclean spirits. All manner of evil spirits. And evil spirits are specialists in disguising their voice. You don't hear the guttural growl. The hellish howl. You don't hear that. You hear the, the Bible calls it soothe saying. It, it, it speaks to you softly many times. And it pushes all of your buttons. And it goes to your deepest desires. And, and, and it begins to, uh, begins to entice you. And, and James describes what it's what really is happening James chapter 1 verse 12 says this blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him blessed is the man that endureth temptation if you endure temptation there is a crown of life awaiting you if you endure temptation and every one of us are tempted Jesus was tempted in all points as we are tempted, but he was without sin. When you face temptation, you call on the name of Jesus, and you do not make provision for the flesh. In other words, you don't put yourself in a position to be tempted. You don't put yourself in an environment where temptation can abound. This is why you don't go certain places where they're serving certain things. You don't hang out with certain friends that you know aren't going to live a life of dedication to God but are going to have some kind of a temptation awaiting you. You don't do that. You're flirting with death. 
Forget sin, death is what you're dealing with. But you're blessed if you can endure temptation and receive, you'll receive the crown of life. Now verse 13 teaches us what exactly happens. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. See, that's what the enemy does. He taps into your lust. There are lusts of your flesh. There are lusts of your eyes. There are things that are tempting to your flesh and tempting to your eyes. And it is that lust that draws you away. Draws you away from what? Draws you away from the Lord. Draws you away from your walk with God. Draws you away from what you know is right and what you know is true. Draws you away from righteous living. So it can seclude you. So it can isolate you. In the same way that a predator on the African plains like a lion or a tiger or a cheetah will watch for that weakest in the herd. And they will watch the pattern and the movement and they'll be crouching. And the weakest in the herd has no idea it's being observed. But it's being observed. And, And when it least expects it, that predator will leap out from its crouching position, attack the weakest, and will devour it. That is the way temptation works and lurks. And you cannot be ignorant of the devil's devices. I love to preach positive messages and teach positive Bible studies about how God anoints and how God promises and how God lifts and how God has a purpose and God has a plan. But I am sad to say that I have seen numbers, untold numbers of people throw away the promise of God in their life. Throw away the purpose of God in their life. Die premature physical deaths. Come into spiritual enslavement. And bondage, forfeiting what God had called them to do and had outlined for their life and and it moved over into someone else's life because they were drawn away of their own lust and enticed. Notice verse 15 of James chapter 1. When lust hath conceived, see, it operates like a, it operates like the conception of a child. There is a conception of lust. It happens when the temptation is set before you. And when that temptation is entertained, dwelled on, fantasized about, thought about, considered, pondered, lust conceives. And when lust conceived, don't for a moment think 
Don't for a moment think that's where it stops. When lust conceives, it bringeth forth sin. A process is underway. There are wheels in motion. And you don't have the control over it because you have allowed something to develop in your spirit and in your life. You have conceived lust. And lust brings forth sin. Now, it's still not scary to you because to your flesh, this is the fun part. To your flesh, this is the part that you've been waiting for. To your flesh, this is the part that, that, that is exhilarating. And yet you are at the most deviant part of this process because you're in the throes of deception. And deception is a frightening place to be because you don't know you're deceived. You're on a, you're on a, on a exhilarating ride to hell. Don't even realize it because you're deceived. You've been deceived the way Eve was deceived. You've been tempted and you've been deceived. The way Eve was tempted and the way Eve was deceived. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. So when you look over at the individual who is enjoying their sinful life and you kind of envy it because you're living in a world that has everything backwards. The first is last. Foolishness is deemed wisdom in this world. And wisdom is deemed foolishness. And what is evil, this world calls good. And what is good, this world calls evil. This world is completely upside down. And so the loudest voices in this culture that you live in They are telling you that you're wasting your time living a holy life. You're wasting your time living for the Lord. They're telling you that you're missing out on what what, what most of your friends are able to do, what most of your colleagues are able to do, what most in your generation are able to do. Let me tell you something about sin. It's not cool. And one day you will hate it with every fiber of your being. And if you don't hate it yet, I pity you. Because you're in for a terrible nightmare that you will have a hard time getting out of. And you will not get out of it except for the blood of Jesus Christ. It brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, you you look out at those that are enjoying their sinful life. And you think, you think that they're living it up. Because that's what they're telling you they're doing. And that's what culture says they're doing. And that's what everybody in the world says that they're doing. Sin isn't finished yet. Sin isn't finished with them yet. Sin is taking them for a ride and the ride isn't over yet. Don't you, get, don't you become envious of the wicked. The Bible says do not envy the wicked. Don't look upon them with envy. Don't envy their money. Don't envy their fame. Don't envy their friendships. Don't envy their popularity. Do not envy the wicked. Because, listen, Asaph, the psalmist, was envious of the wicked. He said, I I didn't understand how I try to live for God. 
and, and things don't really go right for me. I try to live a consecrated life, and, it, and, it, and it, I feel like I'm missing out. And I look out over here, and I, I see the prosperity of the wicked. I was envious at the prosperity of the wicked. And my feet had well nigh slipped until I went into the sanctuary of God. That's why you've got to come into the house of God. You've got to be at church. You know, I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm glad. Thank you. I, I'm actually, I want to thank you for being here tonight because God has a word for you and you might not tune into the podcast. And even if you do, it's not the same as being in the house of God to hear the word. So I'm glad you're here tonight because God's trying to save somebody. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. See, that's the problem. That's why you envy the wicked. You don't know their end. That's why you envy their money. You don't know their eternal damnation. That's why you envy their prosperity and you envy their fame because you don't know their end. You don't spend enough time in the sanctuary of God. It's in the sanctuary of God that you sense eternity. It's in prayer, in worship, in fasting, in dedication, in, in a relationship with the word of the Lord that hell emerges before you and you see it and you step away and say, I don't want anything to do with that. It's in the sanctuary of God. Some people have to go through a living hell before they're convinced that there is a hell. If you've, ever, if you've ever gone through the finishing of sin, you know how real hell is. Some of you have been through living hells. Some of you have felt the boa constrictor of satanic influence surround you and try to choke the life out of you. You know what it's like to be addicted to drugs, to where your body is, is enslaved to a chemical that lied to you. And said, everybody else does it. You might as well do it too. You know what it's like for nicotine to have a stranglehold. You know what it's like to have a sexual addiction. To, to where you have a, a perversion that lives and thrives inside of you, the members of your body. And you don't know what to do about it. And, 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 and the world tells you that it's normal. That it's fine. That it's good and that you're courageous if you give in to it. That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, know ye not, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It is not hate speech to preach against sin. It is love speech. And we're going to preach against sin. We're going to preach against sin. You might say, well, they might make it illegal for you to preach against sin. Do you know how many prophets and apostles spent time in prison for preaching? That doesn't have any bearing on whether we preach the truth or not. We preach against sin because of the fact that sin is the vehicle by which death enters people's lives and enters their worlds when sin is finished. It is, a, it is a pitiful sight when sin is finished with somebody. It leaves them destitute 
it leaves them by the wayside. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Do you know we weren't supposed to die? We were never supposed to die. When you see the body breaking down and, and withering away and dying, that is a very unnatural sight. But we're used to seeing it because we have been exposed to death. And the only reason we've been exposed to death is because of sin. Sin brought death into the world. And it, it doesn't come to you. It doesn't come to you with death in tow. It comes to you with everything you've ever wanted. And all of your, all of your fancies and all of your desires and all of the things that you want and all of the things you wish you had. And it comes to you in the form of a temptation. And people are tempted when they are drawn away. You be careful of anything that is trying to draw you away from the house of God. If it's drawing you away from the house of God, that is your telltale sign. It's sin. It's temptation. It's enticement. And death is the end result. I don't want anything that draws me away from prayer. I don't want anything that draws me away from a walk with God. I don't want to have anything to do with anything that will draw me away from the things of God. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything you need shall be added unto you. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Notice what he said. I beseech you, dearly beloved. He's letting us know who we are. We're loved of God. We're loved of God. We're loved of God. We're loved of the apostle Peter. He's saying you are loved people. And I'm speaking to you as the loved people of God. And I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. You're not going to be accepted in this culture. You're not going to be accepted in this society according to their standards of life and lifestyle. You are going to stand out. You are going to be different. You are a peculiar people. Stop looking for their acceptance and look for the acceptance of the Lord. We are too many times looking for the acceptance of society. And it happens on every level of life. Children and teenagers and young adults and elders and on and on. We're constantly looking for somebody to accept us. It is the Lord who accepts us. It's he we desire to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Peter said, I beseech you as strangers. I beseech you as pilgrims. This world is not your home. This isn't where, this isn't where you're going to end up. You're here as a light to this world. You're here as a city on a hill that cannot be hid. You're not here to blend in. You're not here to fade into the background. You're not here to be a wallflower. You are a peculiar people. You're a chosen generation. You're a holy nation. You've been called out of darkness into this marvelous light. Then you should show forth the praises of him. I beseech you as pilgrims who are showing forth his praises. 
as strangers who are standing out. And this is what he beseeches us. Abstain from fleshly lust. What, why? why? Why abstain from fleshly lust? Which war against the soul. That's why. They war against the soul. Have you ever been in a war? Have you ever been in a foxhole? Have you ever seen a grenade go off next to you? Maybe we don't take that passage as serious as we should because we're so sheltered. That war doesn't matter to us. That word war doesn't mean anything to us. To us, it's just another word. Oh, yeah, they're opposite of our soul. They're going to they war against the soul. No, no, no. It's bloody. It's gruesome. Your fleshly lusts wage an unholy war against your soul, which is the eternal part of you, the everlasting part of you, the thing that's going to live forever, that invisible part of you that, 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 that doesn't grow old. And your, and your fleshly lusts are warring against it. It's, it's eating at it, gnawing at it, pulling it apart, fighting it, struggling against it, hindering it. And the apostle says, I'm, I'm, I'm beseeching you as strangers and pilgrims. I'm, 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 I'm begging you to abstain from fleshly lusts because they war against the soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I go back to the prodigal son. The temptation was there. I've got access to money. I'll go to my father and I'll tell him that I want the money now. I want my inheritance now. Do you know that when people partake in the sinful pleasures of this world, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get their inheritance now. That's what they're trying to do. Because the pleasure they're seeking is, is actually, it's a divine pleasure that they're seeking. And you can't find divine pleasures on this earth. They, they're looking for ecstasy. They're looking for a high. They, some people call it nirvana. Some people call it utopia. It's, it's a place that Jesus has prepared for us. That where he is, we may be also. And we sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. And if you want a taste of the powers of the world to come, hallelujah, then you enter into his presence because in his presence there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Ah, oh, God have mercy. When you, try to, when you try to find that divine pleasure in alcohol, you are enslaving the members of your body. You are enslaving your mind. When you try to find that divine pleasure in a weed that is smoked, you are enslaving your body. You are enslaving your mind. You are altering the chemistry that was fearfully and wonderfully made. And you are giving yourselves over to an ungodly spirit. It it opens the door to all kind of unclean spirits. And stuff enters into your thoughts that wouldn't normally enter your thoughts. Stuff enters into your practice that wouldn't normally enter your practice. That's how so many people have, have gone out for a night to drink and wake up the next day in jail. 
Because they did stuff they wouldn't normally do. Why? What, what happened? They subjected. It's so common in this world that, they, that people laugh about it. That people, think it's, that people think it's funny. But not if you're the person who believed the damnable lie that you can go out for a fun night and drink it up. And then, and then you wake up the next morning with a sexually transmitted disease. And you wake up the next morning with a criminal record. And you wake up the next morning with, with having, having committed vehicular homicide. And you can have whatever designated driver you want. You're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. You're opening yourself up to unclean spirits. Ungodly influences. That, 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 that move into the, into the members of your body. And you're opening the door, not just for death, but for all manner of principalities and powers and spiritual influences. And so this, this prodigal son said, I want that inheritance and I want it now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait till this corruptible takes on corruption and this mortal takes on immortality. I don't want to live a life of dedication to God. And, and, and again, it's not the difference between pleasure and no pleasure, fun and no fun. See, when you buy into the pleasures of this world, you're believing a lie. And this is what the Bible says results from believing a lie. They believe a lie and they're damned. That's what the Bible says about believing a lie. So, so believing a lie is a recipe for, for eternal disaster. And, and the pleasure of this world is not a pleasure at all. For this reason, it is temporary. Pleasures are not temporary. All good things must come to an end. That is a worldly concept. That's not the case when you're serving the Lord. His is everlasting joy. His is, is peace forevermore. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's how you know the difference between a worldly pleasure and a godly true pleasure because the godly true pleasure it lasts forever and forever and forever and you can have it anywhere you can have it anywhere you are you can be in the middle of the storm and be in the presence of God you can be in the middle of the sorrow and be in the presence of God you can be in the middle of the heartache and be in the presence of God Can you imagine what that young prodigal son felt when he got all that money? Man, that must have been exhilarating. I want the money and I want it now and I want to go live it up now. And when all that money came into his, into his possession and he looked out over on this world that he had been eyeing for so long and envying for so long he couldn't wait to just go live it up he was in the deception phase and the deception phase is the worst phase because you can't tell anybody anything when they're in the deception phase 
when they're in the deception phase, they're just going to do it. And God help you. God help you. I'm going to tell you something. If you know somebody that's in the deception phase, you need to go to praying for them right now, fasting for them right now, pleading the blood over them right now, because they are in the devil's snare and don't know it. They're in the devil's grip and they don't know it. They're on this wild ride of deception and they have no idea the demon, the beast, the dragon that awaits them. Oh, and, 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 you, and you, you think you're, you're going to get out of it all right, unscathed, foolish. That's foolish. That's foolish. Consequences that stay with you for the rest of your life on earth. Diseases that remain in your bloodstream. A conscience that the devil constantly holds over your head. Uh, scars and wounds and people you get saved but the people you hurt remain hurt yeah it's foolish get out of the deception phase but when he got that money he went into the deception phase he started living it up and the bible says that he joined himself to a citizen of that country see that's what it's all about getting to know somebody that knows the ropes they know how to smoke it they know how to party they know how to live it up they, they they're going to show you how to live in this world and 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 friend you are on a collision course with the judgment of god and and and, and the prodigal son ended up in a place he never dreamed he would be he had enough money to avoid it but because he was in the deception phase he he didn't avoid it the bible said that he was he was there with the pigs and was being fed what the pigs wouldn't eat. And he would have fain filled his belly with what the pigs wouldn't eat and what was thrown to the pigs. And the Bible said that he came to himself. And we ought to give God the praise for every individual that snaps out of it for every individual that that wakes up and i'm going to tell somebody it's never too late hallelujah i don't know upon what interval you have arrived in the deception phase but there's a church here that loves you there are people here that will pray for you hallelujah there's a god in this house that'll forgive you and restore unto you the joy of your salvation. And he came to himself. He snapped out of it. He woke up and he looked around himself and said, what am I doing here? How did this happen? I'm filthy. I'm filthy. I'm, I'm living in, in, in absolute abject shame and filth. I will arise and go to my father's house. Do you know he debated whether he should do it? And he decided he wouldn't even ask for full restoration to being a son because he didn't feel worthy of it. But when he came back to the father's house, his father was watching from a long ways off. Hallelujah. 
and he ran to meet him. And when he ran to meet him, he hugged him. He embraced him. He kissed him. And he said, Dad, I'll just be one of your hired hands. I'm happy just to be one of the folks here. Just to be back in your presence is good enough for me. Just to be back in your company is good enough for me. I don't want anything to do with that world any longer. Hey, look around at these saints of God who serve the Lord. Do you think they're here because they've never faced temptation? Do you think they're here because they've never tasted the things of this world? Wrong! They're here because they've been down that road and they want nothing to do with the citizen of that country. They want nothing to do with the shame and the filth and the degradation of this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, you're not a servant. You're not a hired hand. You're my son. You come on back. You come on back. You come on back. I think about Samson. I think about Samson. The first thing Samson said was, I saw a woman. Those are the first words that we read of Samson having spoken. He was already showing signs of being plagued by the lust of his eyes. I saw a woman. It became the habit of his to, to, to cater to this weakness that he had for a woman's affection for him. And, and a woman could just pour it on and Samson would, would just turn to mush. This strong man who could rip gates off of cities. This strong man who could destroy whole armies with the jawbone of a donkey. When a, when a woman would show him attention, he just melted because he was given over to the lust of his flesh and the lust of his eyes and the pride of his life. And he didn't take it seriously. And he had been touched by the Spirit of God so much he took it for granted. I've seen people be able to talk in tongues and dance and shout and rejoice and walk right out and fornicate and commit adultery and hate and, and, and hurt and be mischievous and participate in all kinds of fleshly indulgences. You better watch out, Samson. You're on a collision course. You're on a collision course. When sin's finished with you, it's not going to be a pretty sight. When sin is finished with you, you've got a rude awakening coming your way. Oh, you think you got this under control. You think you've got this handled. That's because sin's not done with you yet. He's deceiving you right into death. Ah. Samson, don't listen to Delilah. I know, I know, I know that when she speaks, it affirms you. Don't listen to it. I, she's customized her words. There, there, there's a spirit influencing what she says to you. There's an unclean spirit that has memorized what your vulnerabilities are. And, 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 and it's out to destroy your anointing. 
because you bring great advantage to the people of God because you're so valuable in the work of the Lord. And so this unclean spirit wants to bring you down. Don't listen to it, Samson. Hear, hear, hear the word of the Lord, somebody. Don't listen to it, Samson. I know, I know, I know it sounds like Delilah. That's not Delilah talking. That's an ungodly devil. If you could hear the real voice, it would growl and snarl. You would run for your life. If you could hear the hissing and the hateful whisper, if you could hear the, if you could hear the guttural, demonic undertone of that voice, I know it sounds like the sweet, soft words of a beautiful, beautiful object to you, but that's not what it is. It's the influence of an unclean devil, and you better wake up, Samson. And then you have a close call. Close call. She asks, what is the secret of your strength? And, and, you, and you give her some kind of a lie. And, and, then, and then you realize, whoa, whoa. She really was about to take my strength from me. And instead of running to an altar of repentance, you run back into the arms of Delilah. And listen, woman of God, maybe it's not Delilah. Maybe, maybe it's some, some man. Maybe it's some temptation. Close call. And then you go back. Oh, you're deceived. You're deceived. And I pray this word can even reach you. Because you are deceived. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. And whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And if you sow to the flesh... You'll reap of the flesh corruption. And if you sow to the spirit, you'll reap of the spirit life everlasting. Samson goes back, has another close call. You'd be shocked how many saints of God have close calls and don't wake up. Goes back, and this time, it's for real. This time, the Philistines are there. This time you cross the line you promised you'd never cross. This time you got a little too comfortable in Delilah's arms. This time things got real. Your strength is taken and your eyes are plucked out of your head. If you can even imagine the grotesque sight of this man who wants ripped gates off of cities and slew armies with the jawbone of a donkey and was the fear of every Philistine. If you could see him being mocked and ridiculed, puny and, and emaciated with literally no eyeballs in his sockets. Shaved. Shaved like one who is enslaved. And he's grinding at the mill. Sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. Folks, listen. I don't know what else God had in store for Samson. I don't know what other mighty works he was going to do. We'll never know. We will never know. I don't know if he was going to prophesy. I don't know. We'll never know. I, I, I would have loved to have seen his life play out differently than it did. But he forfeited that. Now all he can do is hope for some restoration.
And God, who is so gracious, and God, who is so merciful, hallelujah, he said, Lord, can I have my strength back? His hair had grown back from having been shaved, and the Lord gave him his strength back. He slew more Philistines in his death than he did in his life. Hi. Oh, God. Folks, we have some precious promises attached to our walk with God. This isn't games. We're not playing games here. There are spiritual ramifications. Having, therefore, these precious promises. What promises are you talking about? These are the promises you're talking about. He Come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father unto you. You shall be my sons. You shall be my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I'm going to tell you how to come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord. Here it is. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't you marry somebody out of the faith. I'm talking about one God, Jesus, name, Holy Ghost, holiness, apostolic faith. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Do it. You better get somebody that's headed in the same direction you're headed. You better get somebody that's got the same spirit that you've got a hold of. You better get somebody with the same motivation that you have. I mean, you, oh, you want to know why? I'll tell you why. When you look into the word of the Lord, you see all kinds of chaos in people's relationships. Look, don't, you don't have to look in the word. Look in this world at the chaos in people's relationships. Let me tell you where there's not chaos in a person's relationship, where, where there's actually one man and one woman. In the garden. In the garden. In the garden. That's where there's one man and one woman. In the garden. If you go outside the garden to find yourself a spouse, then you're going to end up with all that exists outside the garden. You better find somebody in the house of God. When you're looking for a spouse, look around the altar. When you're looking for, listen, when you're looking for folks to come into agreement with, when you're looking for folks to sign contracts with, you better get a hold of some folks that have a God consciousness, that have a faith in God. You, you don't, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. There are too many children of God who ignore that. They embrace the uncleanness of our world. They don't come out from among them. They don't become separate unto the Lord. And then they wonder why the promises of God are way out. Can't get a hold of them. 
He said, if you'll do this, I will, be, I will receive you and be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Listen, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved. See, Peter wasn't the only one that called us that. Paul called us that. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. In other words, there are sins in your spirit and there are sins in your body. You have to cleanse yourselves of the filthiness of your body and of your spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You know how to perfect holiness? In the fear of God. Lord, baptize us again with the fear of God. Hey, let me tell you something. You'll take, you'll, you'll, you'll stop. You'll stop lacerating people with your tongue if you fear God. You'll stop, you'll stop wounding people with your words if you fear God. Oh, Lord. Lord, have mercy. Listen, and I'm coming to a close. I, I just, the Holy Ghost is in this house, and there's an anointing in this place. But there are two people you don't ever want to lay your, your hand on. The person that God has placed his divine favor on, and the person God has placed his divine judgment upon. If you see that the judgment of God has come upon somebody, don't you laugh at them in derision. And don't you mock them. You stand in holy awe and fear of God. Because that's the Lord's doing. And you need to keep your hands off of it. And when somebody's placed his divine favor upon someone, don't touch them. But rejoice with them that rejoice. And weep with them that weep. Perfecting holiness. In the fear of God. Some places I won't go because I fear the Lord. Some things I won't do because I fear the Lord. And knowing that everything I sow, I'm going to reap. And if it's to the flesh, I reap destruction. And if I reap so to the spirit, I reap life everlasting. Is there anybody that believes this word tonight? Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands with me right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands right now in the name of Jesus. Lift up your hands unto the Lord right now. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, stand with me right now. Stand with me right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Is there anybody that's been delivered from sin? Is there anybody that's ever had victory over the bondage of sin? Come on, have you ever had victory over the bondage of sin? How many remember when the chains are wrapped around you? How many remember when you woke up in that filth and you thought, dear God, how did I get here? How many remember when you, when you, when you woke up and, and the Philistines were all around you and something you never thought would happen? Here it is, it's happening because you put yourself in a position for it to happen in your life. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, I'm opening these altars right now for somebody to come to the front of this house. I think we need to get a hold of God. I think we need to perfect holiness in the fear of God. I believe we need to cleanse ourselves of the filthiness of the flesh and the filthiness of the spirit. Hallelujah. I believe we need to get in touch with God and say, Lord, I need a brand new touch. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.
Jesus. Come on, that's it. Come on, I need some folks to come down here repenting. I need some folks to come down here repenting, saying, Lord, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, cleanse me, make me holy, make me pure, make me clean before you, oh God. Listen, I know you're in a world that's full of sin and degradation, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't you stoop to the level of this world. Don't stoop to the level of this world. Jesus, Lord, I submit. I submit to you. I submit to you. Lord, help me to get control over the lust of the flesh. Let these lusts be crucified with you. Let the lusts of my eyes be crucified with you. Let the pride of my life be crucified with you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Holiness, holiness, holiness. 